Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. I am your congestion-free host, Kylie Gable. Welcome to the podcast. Um, it is 11.38 on Sunday night as I am recording this, so I am keeping my promise to Sunday listeners to have a new podcast done Sunday night. But it might be like 12.05 or 12.10 by the time it actually gets recorded, and I apologize for that. Uh, tonight we're starting a new series, which means the podcast will be pretty close to identical between the two, the premium and the regular one. Because when we do a new series, I like to put the whole first episode out in its entirety. This is uh, Shayla Spazier reading a series I wrote several years back called Welcome to the Real World, and I just re-released as Welcome to College Reunion. As you should probably know if you've been listening for any length of time, I had some pretty wild experiences in college, and my most successful books ever were the ones I wrote about my college experience. Uh, Shayla and I were just talking tonight about how well the audios of my college days that she read sell for her. She wants to re-record them. And uh, make them even better, you know, clean up some errors and things. She started them when she was very new to recording and she's gotten much better. I said, go for it. I think it's a great idea. Anyway, um, I did a sequel, a follow-up, right? You know, I, I advertised it with the last with the last book and the sequel started out great. It was called Welcome to the Real World. The problem with it was it was based on something that actually happened to me. We were cleaning my mom out of her house to move her into a retirement home. And, you know, retirement village, not like a nursing home, but, you know, a nice place to retire to. And um, there was some of my furniture in the basement that I never got cleaned out. So I uh, went down there. My mom and my one sister who didn't know about my college days were both downstairs. And I found my concert, you know, shirts from like high school. And I'm going through them and having a good laugh at some of the bands I used to like and everything. And I get down to the bottom of the pile, and there is a purple shirt with silver foil print on it that says Princess, with a little crown above the P. There's a red shirt with rainbow writing on it that says, I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. And there's a heavily padded red bra. And in one smooth motion, I put them all right back in the drawer, closed the door, said, I'm hungry, I'm getting lunch, I'm going to come back and do this later. And that's what I did. And there were also a bunch of pictures I later found that my mom also, I would not have wanted to see. So it made me think of what would have happened if I had a fiancé there, and what if she actually did see. And so that's what starts the story. This was the hardest series I ever wrote. Because, A, my editor at the time was a British banker, a British banker, and Brexit was coming up, and it was taking so much time for him. And then the other thing was, I had trouble writing it. I think it's a great series. I think it's some of my better work. But when you're writing a fictional story about real people, now the fiancé and, and her best friend, they're fictional. They don't exist. They're easy to write about. But the girls from college, seeing them, you know, later on as an adult, it's really hard to write because it's like hard not to write wish fulfillment. Every woman from my past who sees me 
wishes she had slept with me. Every guy wishes he was me. And that's not what real life is like. And so trying to be truthful to these characters and trying to not like change them just to fulfill my wishes. When I was writing about my college days, I could write what really happened and their actual attitudes and everything. But when I was writing, you know, what happened since then, I'm trying to go with what's logical. But that point, that part of you that wants to make you yourself feel better, I, you know, it was hard not to make it just wish fulfillment. So that's why this was so, so difficult to write. It wound up taking much too long to come out. And as a result, it kind of killed sales a bit. Sales were great at the beginning and then tapered off. Now, I've talked a long time. I've never done a five-minute introduction before when I didn't have a guest. But without further ado, here's Shayla Aspasia reading the first part of uh, Welcome to College Reunion. Welcome to College Reunion. Written by Kylie Gable and Claudia Acosta. Narrated by Shayla Aspasia. What's that smell? Is that somebody's perfume? The statuesque brunette loudly queried to nobody in particular. It seems to be coming from somewhere around here, she announced, walking in my direction. No, I don't smell anything, I said nervously, rapidly packing away my boots in order to make a hasty retreat, whilst trying not to make it seem like that was what I was doing. It was September, early in my sophomore year, and this was only the second class of my French course. The beautiful brunette was now very deliberately sniffing the air around me. How can you not smell it? It's really quite strong, pungent almost, she proclaimed. Sorry, I do have a bit of a cold, I lied. It's you, isn't it? She suddenly exclaimed drawing the attention of all the students who hadn't quite made their way out of class yet. This was exactly the confrontation I always dreaded. Someone in one of my classes smelling the feminine bath products I was forced to use in exposing me. Actually, there wasn't any perfume on me. But I was wearing women's deodorant and body wash. Anyone with a reasonably strong sense of smell could easily have picked up on my rather feminine body odor. No, I don't know what you're talking about, I stammered fearfully. It is, she cried out. I knew it. I tried to make my move to the door before she drew any further attention to me, but she grabbed my left shoulder and spun me around. Okay, it's me, but please don't make a scene, I pleaded. Of course it's you, sissy she said in a slightly more hushed voice. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. You, you're in my dorm, aren't you? Yep, in fact, I'm Steph's roommate, Sheila. She's told me a whole lot about you, she said ominously. How it all began to make sense, Stephanie had not been a part of the group of girls who were feminizing and dominating me, but she had been there from the beginning as one of their friends, she had known everything that had happened, though she was usually more of an enthusiastic witness 
rather than an active participant. I'm sure, I replied glumly. Yeah, pictures and everything. She smiled brightly. You know, I think you and I are going to get to become very good friends, grinned Sheila. You never know, I replied, without looking back and heading smartly for the door of the lecture hall. Well, I'll see you around. Freeze, she ordered. You're not done here. Was it her forceful personality? Was it a fear of exposure or just the conditioning that was getting to me, used to obeying female authority? I don't know. But whatever it was, I did stop. Well, froze, really, in mid-step, looking at her apprehensively as she confidently approached me. Fortunately, now we were the only two people left in the room. I need to hurry, I blustered. Really? What are you rushing for? After our last French class, I thought you just walked back to your dorm room. So I don't believe you have another class until this afternoon at the earliest. Look, Sheila, you're kind of becoming a bit stalkerish. Hardly, she scoffed. I understand you're supposed to be wearing a bra, pantyhose, and panties. Also, your toenails should also be nicely painted. I want proof right now. Welcome to College Reunion, Chapter 1, Discovery. It wasn't until the senior year of college that our training could be deemed as complete. All the fights over wearing women's lingerie, showering with each other, generally being intimate and subjected to what had hereto been unfathomable humiliations, were now finished. They weren't over because they had given up, but because we had. We had lost, and we had lost badly. Well, to be more precise, we had surrendered unconditionally. Nicole and I sat demurely next to each other, on the couch in the middle of the pink living room of our apartment. A giant print of Audrey Hepburn from the film Breakfast at Tiffany's dominated an entire wall of the living room. But that wasn't the only domination going on tonight. We sat on the couch holding each other's hands in our laps. I was wearing my sexiest red dress. It had flared sleeves and came to about mid-thigh, giving a great view of my black stockinged legs with three-inch spiked heel sandals on my feet. Nicole was in a blue lace top, a black leather miniskirt, and on her feet were a pair of sexy black knee-high boots that had high heels even higher and more precarious than mine. All five of our mistresses were in attendance that night, and I had a glimpse, a small shopping bag in Sheila's hand. She didn't make any references to it, but the six-foot-tall Amazon was as clever and devious as she was statuesque. My spidey senses told me she was up to no good. We had just spent the last 90 minutes playing a new game that Amanda had invented called Lady and the Tramp. It was a humiliating endeavor where Nicole and I were tied in a basic hog tie, but rather than laying on our stomachs, we had been placed resting on our haunches facing each other. A local candy store situated less than a mile from our campus called Twain's Treats sold the peppermint sticks, 
that were about eight inches long and a width of a human thumb. One of these candy sticks would be produced, and one end put in my mouth while the other end was put in Nicole's mouth. The two of us would then have to suck on the peppermint stick until it was all gone. This obviously meant that as we got further and further along, we would soon find ourselves face to face with our lips and contacts as we sucked away on the candy. The image we created was rather like that of Lady and the Tramp, when each sucked on the end of the same piece of spaghetti in the film. If we became tired of kneeling, we could drop down onto our sides and suck that way. But that seemed even more degrading and humiliating, so we usually stayed in the kneeling position. While we sucked away, the girls would make their usual rude comments, cat calls, and generally did everything they could to increase our embarrassment, while they lounged about finishing off any beer in the fridge. We never could seem to keep beer for very long. Sitting together on the couch while all the girls sat on the chairs, staring at us eagerly, expectant looks on their faces, we knew the evening's humiliation wasn't over by a long shot. I was out shopping yesterday, began Sheila. I actually had a quite good time. But you know, I think I spent more time looking at pretty things for you two than I did myself. Did you get us something when you were out shopping? inquired Nicole. Well, aren't you a greedy one? joked Sheila. It just so happens I did. My discomfort was pretty obvious, but we had been well trained, so I knew that I had no choice but to act girly and excited about any gifts I received. It was an early lesson I had learned the hard way during my freshman year. Oh, wow, you were always so thoughtful, I gushed. Relax, sunshine, she smirked. It's not like you're getting a new dress or anything like that. It's just a little something you can both wear when you're in your boy drag. Instantly, I could see the look of relief spread across Nicole's face, but I wasn't nearly so assuaged. So, what is it? With great fanfare, she slowly reached into her shopping bag and pulled out two matching pink t-shirts, emblazoned on the front in a rainbow-colored large front. I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. I was mortified, but knew that I would get in trouble for the slightest negative reaction to her generosity. Cole couldn't help himself from moaning loudly as soon as he saw them, causing all the girls to laugh, but fortunately on this occasion, it didn't get him punished. Oh, I think the girls really like their new tops, said Karen, but I think they should try them on and let us know how extremely pleased they are. That's a great idea, agreed Deanna. Come on. Get them on, you girls. Cole and I looked down at the shirts, then dumbfoundedly across at each other. You want us to put them on here in front of you? I asked, incredulous. What's the problem? We've all seen you in your underwear. You're decent, aren't you? You have your bra, panties on, right? Demanded Amanda. Of course, it's just, I'm wearing a dress, I said. Can I put it on over my dress? Don't be difficult, growled Amanda, ominously. Strip out of that dress right now. Your little thing is tiny enough that your panties will give you plenty of modesty. A short while later, we stood together in front of them, clad in our humiliating new t-shirts. 
Nicole's looked fine in her miniskirt, but I felt more exposed, if that was possible, and just my bikini panties. Okay, you two. Now, hold both hands and look deep and lovingly into each other's eyes. We need some pictures to commemorate this moment and your new tops, said Nicole's Mistress Wendy, brandishing a digital camera. You can't see what's on our shirts if we're facing each other, I commented. Just do it, snapped Amanda. If I wanted your opinion, I'll give it to you. Now, do as you're told. We quickly complied and Wendy took lots of pictures of us, staring at each other before Karen insisted we kiss. More pictures followed with us French kissing, but again, they did nothing to show off the shirts. Finally, we both turned and smiled at the camera with one arm around each other in a close, loving pose, letting Wendy preserve the moment for eternity and my future acute embarrassment. A decade had passed since the evening's humiliation, which, if truth be told, wasn't really that much worse than any of the other nights of torment the girls subjected us to. During my first four years of college, enforced feminization. However, all that was in the past, now merely forgotten history, consigned to the rear view and left many miles back. I had recently arrived at the grand old age of 31, and somehow after a lot of bad dates, awkward breakups, and not a few embarrassing moments, I had finally found the one. Elizabeth Doyle, was without a doubt my soulmate, the one I was meant to share my life and grow old with. She was everything I could possibly have ever wanted in a woman, and a lot of things that I hadn't even realized I wanted or needed. She was intelligent, understanding, humorous, perceptive, and very beautiful, a real-life partner, which was something I'd never had before. What she saw in me I'll never know. Whenever the world kicked my ass, there she was, just picking me up, dusting me off, and telling me that together we had this. There could not have been a better partner, and it was great to be playing doubles after a lifetime of playing singles. The sex wasn't great yet, but I knew that would come the longer we spent with each other learning each other's bodies and erogenous zones. It was only a matter of time. To have a woman who excited me on so many levels, sexually, spiritually, and intellectually, for her, I was willing to learn how to please. On New Year's Eve at the stroke of midnight, I finally proposed to her, and she gave my life true meaning by accepting. My dad had passed on a few years previously, Early onset Alzheimer's had taken him in before his 70th birthday. I think the helplessness everyone experienced was the forced part. For those around him, there was absolutely nothing they could do but watch as he slowly deteriorated. For him, his status as an alpha male that had been everything to him was steadily eroded by his infirmary. However, it wasn't all bad. 
With him out of the picture, my mom rediscovered herself and even began dating again. She was happily enjoying her twilight years, and that really thrilled me. One day I received a call from her saying she had finally decided that she was going to sell our childhood home and move into a retirement community. There had been a last-minute opening in her chosen residence, and she had placed the family home on the market. She would need to be vacated from the house by August 1st, which didn't give us much time. It was already June. Cleaning out the basement, she found two old pieces of furniture, which were left over from when I was in high school. One was the television stand with a cabinet and drawer underneath, and the other was an old dresser. Neither held any special meaning or affection for me. They hadn't been particularly stylish at the time they had been bought at Kmart, and began to fall apart almost as soon as they had been assembled. Beth and I had gone over for a last dinner in the house, and we planned on inspecting the furniture after we ate. My mom was suitably thrilled to see us. She absolutely doted on Beth as her new daughter and showed much more interest in her than the family home she had lived in all of my life. She did show us some of the antiques that were to be sold unless we wanted to give them a home, as well as a few pieces of family history, like my old Legos and baseball cards. I should probably explain that my family had a long tradition of blatant, pack rattery. So there was an awful lot of stuff to go through. I was struck by the lack of sentimentality my mother showed for all the things that had consumed such a large part of her life. But as the show continued on and on, I started to become a bit bored. Beth, on the other hand, was eating it up. She loved going through all the stuff from my childhood. Finally, I mentioned that we had another engagement that night, and we'd have to hustle to make it. My mom took the hint and finally took us to see my old furniture. Here they are, she said. They're still packed full of your old stuff, and I didn't want you accusing me of throwing anything out. Mom, I haven't noticed anything missing for a decade, so I hardly think it's going to bother me now, I replied. We'll be through pretty quick, I'm sure, interjected Beth, playing peacemaker. But I'm really enjoying finding out all about my enigmatic fiancé's childhood. Enigmatic? I raised an eyebrow. Well, yeah, sometimes you can be, she shrugged. Never one to back down. I'll leave to it then, said Mom. Now, don't take any guff from him. He's lucky to have you. Oh, he knows it and won't, smiled Beth as my mom slowly ascended the stairs on her recent replaced knees. I think she likes me, she grinned at me. Do you think? I looked at her in mock astonishment. This shouldn't take too long, I said. More to myself than Beth. Truth be told, I'm kind of curious what's in here myself. I doubt these drawers have been opened in a long time. Pulling open the top drawer of the dresser, I peered inside and began to giggle. It was full of my childhood keepsakes. Some foreign money from my trip to the UK, 
Lots of awful pictures of the neighborhood I had taken with my first camera. A few old tickets from those memorable first gigs I'd been allowed to go to. And some marginally funny birthday cards. It was when I opened the second drawer that things started to become more interesting. It was like opening a late 90s time capsule. Stuffed with more treasures, including some old t-shirts. Co-ed naked football smirked a laugh Beth pulling out one at random. Real subtle. It was funnier back then, I guess. I responded somewhat sheepishly. Red Hot Chili Pepper, Sugar Ray, Third Eye Blind. It's like a rock and roll hall of fame for bad music. I'm so glad I've managed to improve your taste a little. Hey, Semi-Charm Life was and still is a great song, and besides, Red Hot Chili Peppers are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I bantered back. Remind me, what were the names of all those boy bands you were back into? You don't exactly have room to talk. Oh, Princess, I guess you weren't such a lonely boy in high school after all, she giggled holding up a purple t-shirt with the word princess boldly emblazoned in a metallic script across the front. Who left her shirt behind, huh? Is it a trophy? Um, just a girl, I replied. Desperately trying to appear nonchalant, the recognition was suddenly dawning on me that this was the furniture I'd had during breaks from college, as well as for about a year after my graduation when I moved back home with my folks. A time I didn't want to reminisce too much about, or reveal to Beth. Well, I'm glad it wasn't a guy, she laughed, teasing me. But were there so many leaving their clothes behind that you can't remember their names? She reached in and pulled out a lacy red bra, grinned broadly at me. Oh my, you were a naughty boy. Actually, that might be my sister's, I offered, scrambling for some plausibility, but feeling like I was sinking rapidly. Really? This is a sexy bra, not an everyday bra. I hope it's not your sister's, she winked, singing. I think there's something you're not telling me. Huh. Look, we really don't have time for this. We're supposed to be meeting Bill and Julie for dinner in a bit. I made a grab for the bra, but she pulled it away. Hmm. I think somebody's trying to change the subject. She continued teasing me. No, I just don't want to be late, I replied. We won't be late, but you simply have to tell me the story behind this. She grinned and dramatically held up an old pink t-shirt that I remembered very well. In my rainbow-colored lettering, it read, I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. Beth valiantly, but unsuccessfully, tried to contain her laughter. She could barely spit out the words before collapsing, laughing hysterically. It, it was a gag gift. Obviously, you seem to have found it quite funny, I covered. Quite well, I thought. I had a friend of mine in college who I was always hanging out with. Some of the guys thought it would be funny to get a shirt like that as a joke. That's a pretty funny joke, she said. But if you hung out so much with this friend, she even made air quotes, how come you never mentioned it before in all the time I've known you? Look, Mom delayed us far too long. Let's just get going, shall we? I suggested desperately. I'll go through this stuff another time. Aw, I'm sorry. I'm just teasing you. We're not late. Still got plenty of time. Please, I know your life before me really isn't any of my business, but I'm obviously interested. 
you're the man I plan on marrying and spending the rest of my life with to know all about you. We've all got some embarrassing stuff from our past. I promise I won't hide mine from you if you don't hide yours from me. But if you're a secret Hannibal Lecter, then I'd like to know now before we get married. She gave me one of her trademark gorgeous grins that light up her entire face. Besides, there really isn't a good time to do this if you're going to Los Angeles next week, and your mom will have sold the house before you get back. Thanks, this is difficult, I replied. Sorry if I seem a bit sensitive. It is quite emotional. Shamelessly, I use that as a pathetic excuse for being overly defensive. Further excavations in the dresser proved to be very profitable. I found a $50 savings bond that my godmother had given me during Christmas in high school. Five minutes later, I found a $100 bond also from her. I was overjoyed. This would provide me with some much-needed funds for my upcoming trip. You'll have to introduce me to this godmother of yours. She seems to be very generous, she winked at me, and I thought it had all been forgotten. She was, and I will, I said warmly. I love finding money that you don't even know exists. Do me a favor, will you, and see what's on that television cabinet? The indicated cabinet was full of old VHS tapes. Most of the DVDs in my collection had migrated to my current house, but my dad hadn't wanted to get rid of the VHS player that he insisted was still perfectly good. As a result, I didn't get my first DVD player until 2005. The titles were just as embarrassing as my old music choices, and as I had nothing to play them on, I declared all the tapes garbage. Beth moved on to the drawer, and underneath a whole load of greeting cards she came upon, a collection of things that would forever change my life. There were about 50 pictures of me dressed as a female, made up in some cases bound or in others in an exaggerated pose. There were also at least a dozen letters from the girls at the college all sent to me during the first summer, when I had been living at home under the control of my sister and my ex. To say she was shocked would be something of an understatement, but silently taking it all in, the various incriminating pictures of me, she didn't comment. I think it was probably the sheer amount of evidence that overwhelmed her. If it had just been a couple of pictures, maybe of a Halloween or something, she would probably have just teased me again, but the sheer quantity made any excuse I could make totally implausible. The moment that every cross-dresser dreads is the moment of discovery and the greatest fantasy of many I have learned is simple acceptance. I believe that my cross-dressing was something that had happened a very long time ago, consigned to a past that was forgotten and unlamented. Something that had no more relevance to my current life than my collection of plastic superhero action figures, which I'd play with as a seven-year-old. I was completely oblivious to what she had found and continued to dig out of the dresser. Without comment, Beth calmly stood over to the ping-pong table in the basement, which had not seen a ping-pong ball since before I'd been born, grabbed an old shoebox and returned to the cabinet. She very carefully, without giving anything away, put all the letters and pictures inside the shoebox and closed the lid. 
It wasn't until we had finished and were climbing up the basement stairs to leave that I motioned to the box and asked Beth what was in it. It's a surprise for later, she replied enigmatically. We arrived at our friends on time for dinner and had a wonderful evening with them. I was in a jovial mood all night thanks to finding the savings bond, but there was also a twinge of wistfulness. I had found a small box worth of things that I had forgotten about, and I knew this would be the last time I saw the inside of my family's home. Adulthood was much happier for me than childhood had been, but that doesn't mean there weren't parts of it that I missed. We finally arrived back at my home around 10 that night. Beth had her own condo, but we had pretty regular sleepovers. She kept as many clothes at my place as she did her own. As soon as we entered the living room, she grabbed me, putting her arms around my neck, and kissed me firmly on the lips. It was one of the best kisses I think I ever shared with her, or anyone for that matter. Wow, I exclaimed, what was that for? We need to talk, she said quietly, but firmly. Pour us both some wine. We'd already been drinking, but neither of us was really buzzed. I did feel a pleasant warmth from drinking during the meal, but I figured a little more wine wouldn't hurt. I brought the glasses and bottle of Merlot to the living room. She had sat and held the shoebox on her lap. We need to talk, Kylie, she said deliberately. What, Kylie? Who's Kylie? I staggered a bit, but steadied myself against the couch. You better pour that wine before you spill it everywhere, she said. I put down the glasses and filled them both to the brim. I didn't spill the wine, but I couldn't stop my hand from shaking as I poured. It's pretty obvious you are, she stated unequivocally, accepting an offered glass. I don't know what you're talking about, I snorted, blustering. Really? Then I can't wait to hear you explain all these pictures and letters that I found in your old cabinet. I peered in the box, and she removed the lid. I, I have no idea who it is. I squeaked. I squinted, furrowed my brow. It does look a bit like my sister. It was pathetic. I was already sweating and stuttering with my voice rising in pitch. Yes, it does. But that's because of you, dressed up as a girl. If you think that little bit of makeup and a wig are enough con to conceal my fiancé from me, you're very wrong. It's not a wig, I sighed, slumping down next to her. Vlogging that particular dead horse was rapidly becoming exhausting. That's your hair for real? Amazing, she exclaimed. I wish you hadn't cut it. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to cut it. And it was really quite long, I said, surprised by her reaction. So do you remember what I told you earlier? About what? That your life before me being none of my business, she said. However, my imagination is probably going about a mile a minute right now, and I'm sorry, but I simply can't stop it. So I would really appreciate you telling me exactly what happened to you back in college. Well, there isn't much to tell, I shrugged. Stop it, she barked at me. What? If you're only going to lie about it, don't. Just tell me it's none of my business. I understand, but please don't try to put me off with this bullshit. You mean more to me than bullshit, and I hope I'm worth more to you than some stupid lies. You're right, you do, and I'm sorry, okay. I looked at her with eyes begging forgiveness. I deserve either the truth or nothing. Also, we don't keep saying sorry to each other. Okay, I guess. 
I'd better start at the beginning. It's usually the best place. I promise I won't judge or hold it against you, but I'm dying of curiosity here. She gave me that grin again, and I couldn't resist her. It began back when I was a freshman in college. There was this girl called Amanda who, for some reason, made me a target. You mean like bullying, she asked? Yeah, you could put it that way. In my case, it was more blackmail, though. She and her friends got incriminating pictures of me, dressed in their clothes. Why were you wearing their clothes? I lost a bet on a wrestling match with Amanda. My forfeit means she could start making me over and taking pictures. Lost a bet with a girl on a wrestling match, allowing her to make you over? Well, I looked down and bit my lip. Actually, I lost the match against her. Was she a big girl? Queried Beth. No, not particularly. About your size, maybe an inch or so taller. Want to wrestle with me? There was a mischievous light dancing in her eyes. That's not funny, I pouted. She was a tough girl. If you say so, I believe you. So what happened? Well, after she pinned me down, she put makeup on me, and then everything went to hell after that. I kept on having to agree with them, and they kept on using that blackmail on me. Before long, I had to do whatever they said. So let me get this straight. They threatened you that if you didn't wear something, some women's clothing, they'd tell everybody that you wore women's clothing? She asked, raising an eyebrow. I know, I know, I replied. It sounds all fucked up when you analyze it with hindsight, but honestly, at the time, I didn't think that I had any choice. And how long did this go on for? The whole four years, I said. You know, she smiled at me. I think you were unbelievably hot. I would never have guessed you'd make such a cute girl. I think you were even better looking than most of the girlfriends back in college. I blushed deeply but then hesitantly agreed, I know, that's probably why they kept it going for so long. So, you really didn't enjoy any of it? I mean, not even a teeny little bit? No, of course not, but what can I do? They had inspections, and they'd punish me if I disobeyed them. Now we're getting seriously kinky. I don't know if I should feel sorry for you or not. There are a lot of guys who would gladly wear a dress to get that kind of sexual attention from a bunch of cute girls. Maybe, but I'm not one of them, I insisted. Hey, I told you I wouldn't judge you, and I'm not. So this went on for four years, and for all that time you hated it, but couldn't find a way to stop it? No, yes, look, I thought of going to the administration and reporting it, but I didn't think they'd believe me, that I was, you know, being forced. What about showing them some of these pictures? I mean... You could have put on the dress yourself, but I doubt you could have tied yourself up like that. And what if they had believed me? They could have stopped it, said Beth. Oh, yeah, and have every tabloid show in the country broadcasting it. Next to Maury, I was cross-dressed sex slave in college. So, you were so afraid of exposure that you didn't tell anybody really? Wait, hang on. What do you mean sex slave? It's just an expression. I think there's a lot you're not telling me, she said. There is a lot about this, and it simply doesn't make sense. For one thing, I'm getting the impression you liked what they did. 
Maybe not at first, but you had to have begun to enjoy it, or it wouldn't have lasted that long. I also think this got much more sexual than just the wearing of a few dresses. I would have told you I hung my head in shame. Anything that happened before we met really isn't our business. The only issue I have is that I ask you not to bullshit me. I wanted it either straight or not at all, so I just wish you could have shown a bit more trust in me, been a bit more honest with me. What makes you think I'm lying? It's not quite that I think you're lying. More a feeling that I get you're being sort of economical with the truth. It's either still very painful for you, or you don't trust me enough to tell me the truth. I will admit that I really wish I knew which it was. I didn't know how to respond to that, so I didn't, and we dropped the subject. The evening gradually moved on with a conversation devolving into general small talk. Beth tried very hard and was pleasant enough, but I hadn't liked her digging through my lurid past, teasing me with all the pictures and letters she found. The letters had been from Deanna, who had never been any good at using a computer, only having a very old one at home. She was practically computer illiterate and hated when she had to spend time using one. My dad used to tease me endlessly about having a girlfriend who actually wrote love letters longhand. I would respond saying that it meant more that way, but I'm glad he never investigated the contents of the letters. Though I suspect he was sorely tempted. I had come home from college that summer after my freshman year, and had smartly stashed the letters and pictures in a cabinet drawer beneath a lot of useless crap in the hope that nobody would find them. Why I didn't simply throw them out, I'll never know, but I'm still kicking myself. The clothing was a bit more mysterious, but when I moved home after college, I must have stashed the shirt and the bra in the drawer. For some very good reason, or so I thought at the time. I hated lying to Beth, especially as she was right, and it was essentially a simple trust issue came down to was a lot of women would have freaked out with all those revelations that I hadn't always been the manly macho guy I saw myself as but somehow Beth had seemed to take it all in in stride accepting me as I am warts and all then again just because I was marrying the girl didn't mean that I wanted her knowing all of my deepest and darkest secrets those sorts of revelations were the things that could end a budding relationship. Eventually we went to bed and I tried to put the whole thing out of my mind. On the Friday evening of the following week, after what had been a long week for me at a convention, I finally returned home exhausted. I'm a high school English teacher and at the end of the year is always the dregs for me. I felt that this year. As soon as summer break started, I was headed out on the road. The modern school year, in the quintessential definition of limping to a finish line, no one in education would ever say it, but the summer vacation has shrunk by about a month since I was in high school, and I don't feel that all that much learning takes place in that final month anyway. I arrived at my home thanks to a ride from one of my teaching friends, who had been to the same convention, only to find Beth's friend Claire there waiting for me. I had expected that Beth would be there, and I was 
very happy to see her, but I wasn't really in the right mood for the other company. Now, don't get me wrong, I really love Claire and greatly value her friendship. She's carefree and frankly a bit wild, always makes any party instantly 100% more fun, and is the steadfast and loyal to her friends. She was a pretty girl who reminded me a lot of Friends-era Jennifer Aniston, but with California blonde hair and the personality of Sarah Silverman. She was always a very chatty person and could talk the hind leg off a donkey when she got going. But I was dog-tired after a long week, and I really wasn't in the mood for such a bubbly personality at that particular moment. All I wanted was to collapse on the sofa and vegetate with a beer or two. But as I lugged my heavy bags through the door, I saw Beth and Claire sitting at the kitchen table. They had already made margaritas, so I knew I was going to have to join them. Hey, baby, how was your trip? Beth greeted me warmly with a nice kiss. Exhausting, I complained. We spent so much time debating the minutia of such meaningless stuff that nobody will even remember the week. The traveling was pretty rough, too, but at least I'm home now. Hi, Claire. I managed a brief smile. Hi, Kylie, she beamed at me. I'll bet you could use a drink about right now. How does kicking back and just chillaxing for a while with a nice, long, cool margarita sound? Good, but I'm afraid any alcohol would put me straight out like a light. Hey, why don't you give him one of your amazing back rubs, Claire? While I get changed, suggested Beth, standing up and heading off to the bedroom. Claire really did give amazing back rubs, in no small part because back in college she had taken two massage classes, just as a lark. They had paid off handsomely, as she now had a supremely skilled pair of hands. And one of her back rubs was an eagerly sought-after treat. She stood up, handed me a ready-made drink, and motioned for me to sit down in her chair. I sat down, took a sip, and sat back with a deep sigh. We have no plans to go anywhere tonight, have we? I asked through closed eyes. I really don't think I can manage it. I just want a quiet evening at home. Don't worry, you just relax. Actually, I spilled a little margarita all over my top, so I'm going. I'm not going anywhere either, she assured me. She moved behind me and gently pushed me to lean forward to gain access to my back. I was almost too tired for a back rub, but I managed to lean forward, resting my head and my arms on the table, putting myself in her very capable hands. Wow, you are tense, she exclaimed as she pressed her thumbs into the muscles at the base of my neck. I can feel it in your muscles. You really need to try to relax. Okay, try to loosen up for me. Close your eyes and lean back. Let your neck go floppy. She pulled me back off the table and then held my head in both hands rolling it around and around as I tried to relax my neck's muscles. Drop your arms down and gently arch your shoulders back. I put down the glass and did as I was told. It did begin to feel much more relaxed. That's it. Let go of all that tension. Let it flow out of you. Claire knew just how to knead all those small muscles in the neck and shoulders. She ran her hands down my arms, shaking them gently as she went. She held my wrist in her hands and pulled my arms back behind me, crossing the wrist and pulling up gently, slightly straining the triceps. My eyes were closed and I was breathing deeply, probably mere seconds from falling asleep. 
Suddenly, I heard a very familiar laugh, and the word gotcha was whispered in my ear. Before I had even processed what I heard, I felt something slipped over my crossed wrist and then tightened. Clarity came blinding fast, but too late. Claire had zip-tied my hands together behind my back. With hardly a pause, I felt my arms pulled back and down as she attached another one to the lower back of the chair. What the hell? I'm not in the mood for this, Claire. However, she wasn't listening and wasted no time debating my moods. She was already attaching each of my ankles to the front leg of the chair. I think that was why I was in sluggish in my reactions, because of the way she had lured me into relaxing. Before I even thought about resisting, it was already too late. Be quiet for once, will you? I have some work to do, she snapped at me. What? What are you? Why are you doing this? For Beth, of course. Why else? She asked rhetorically. She's my best friend. Closest friend, as you know. Well, we had a long talk about you this week. While you were away, B, I abruptly began to yell, startling her, but her reactions were much better than mine. Instantly clapping a hand from my mouth, effectively silencing me. No, no, no. You can't be yelling like that. You'll disturb the neighbors, she admonished. Which you don't want to do. I disagree with her, as to me it seemed an excellent idea. With her right hand clamped down over my mouth, and despite my vigorous attempts to shake it off, she managed to stretch until she could grab her purse. With her left hand, reached inside the bag, she rummaged around before pulling out an object I recognized only too well. A black penis gag. Now you can't shout, she smiled, amused. I clamped my mouth shut and firmly pressed my lips together. She simply released my mouth and moved her hand to pinch my nostril, nostrils closed. It's actually strange, but if somebody grips your nose in order to get you to open your mouth, you know you will eventually lose. But it seems that at least, I at least, stupidly resolved to fight for as long as possible. I yanked my head about while trying to grab a breath through my nose. The futility of my actions was entirely lost on me, but not Claire. She viciously grasped my nose, restricting more movements of my head, and continuously stabbed the gag at my mouth, all the while giggling as if she discovered a great new game. Inevitably, I had to eventually open my mouth. I couldn't hold my breath any longer and was beginning to see dots. Immediately, in went the gag right to the back of my mouth. Then the straps were pulled tight around my head. Beth wanted me to bring over a ball gag, but somehow I thought this would be much more appropriate considering the circumstances. Now let's get you finished off, she continued, chatting conversationally as I glared poisonous daggers at her. If looks could have killed, she would have been nothing more than a smile pile of cinders on the floor. Unfortunately, she simply continued about her business as if there was nothing wrong or unusual, and tying up your best friend's fiancé in his own kitchen was the most normal thing in the world. Moving back to the table, she opened a plastic hardware store bag and pulled out a coil of rope. Bending me forward, she looped the rope twice around my chest before tying it off behind me, then pushed me forcefully back against the chair and ran the rope around the back of the chair, then around me again a few times, holding me immovably in place. In case you were going to ask, I'm experienced in tying guys up, snickered Claire. 
I'm actually quite good at it now. In fact, what you went through in college is something I did a lot to boys in high school. I simply loved emasculating the little buggers. By the end, I practically lived for it. I continue to struggle against my bonds, but anybody who has been tied up as often as I have knows when you have a chance to get out and when you don't. I could easily tell that she was right. She was very good at tying people up. I was going to be stuck like this until I was released. When she was satisfied, she came around front of me, perched her butt on the edge of the table, and held my chin to make me look at her. Look, I know you're scared to tell Beth exactly what happened to you in college. I'll admit, I can't say I really blame you because of what she showed me. It looks like some really quite kinky shit happened. Now I'm going to tell you something I've learned. Call it life's advice or whatever you want. Short-term relationships are all about the sex. I might enjoy spending time with a guy, but if he wants me to stick around, he'd better be good in bed. Long-term relationships, like I believe you have, or could have with Beth, are different. They're usually more complex, deeper, stronger, and last longer, hopefully much longer. Sex can kill that sort of relationship, but it's rare. However, a lack of intimacy, interaction, basically trust, that will kill it so much faster than any amount of kinky stuff in your past. If you open up, tell her the truth about what happened to you, she will be there for you, always. With that, Claire leaned forward and kissed me on the forehead before turning to leave. At the door, she turned back and made one parting remark. Oh, yeah. She also happens to be my best friend, so if you hurt her in any way, I'll hurt you bad, okay? She smiled broadly to take some of the sting out of her words, turned, wiggled her perfect ass, and walked out giggling. She left me pondering her words, sitting alone in the kitchen, trussed up like a turkey, unable to free myself. Finally, Beth made her entrance, and I don't think I had ever seen anything quite so breathtakingly beautiful in my entire life. She addressed as a dominatrix, with a tight black corset and black leather miniskirt. Her long legs were encased in fishnet stockings, and she was wearing the most severe spiked heels I'd ever seen her in. Her hair felt full and free around her shoulders, and her makeup was loud, bold, and dramatic. In one hand, she held a riding crop, which she kept slapping into her other hand. It was almost a parody of a DS scenario, even down to me being very tightly restrained. Now then, I do believe somebody has been a very, very bad boy, huh? She purred at me. Do you like having a dick in your mouth? I shook my head violently, hoping that she would take the gag out of my mouth. At that moment, she looked absolutely incredible. But I still wasn't in much of a mood for these types of games. Grabbing the buckle of the gag, she stopped and spoke at my face. When I take this out, if you yell or argue with me, or plead with me to stop and let you go, this gag will go right back in and stay there. I know you are used to co coercion by a blackmail, and we both know that I have plenty of suitable material. But I really hope you'll cooperate because it will be the best thing for our relationship. She unbuckled and pulled the penis gag from my mouth, 
all while giving me a very meaningful look. I swallowed deeply and stretched to get used to being empty again. It felt really self-conscious being in this position in front of my fiancé and decided that I had to say something. Beth, please. Look, I just don't know what it is with you. I don't know what you want with me. It, it wasn't my choice to, to dress up. I was forced to do it. Oh, I'm quite sure that it wasn't your choice at first, she stated. Quite frankly, I don't even have much trouble believing that a girl could pin you down while wrestling. And you're obviously naive enough to allow yourself to be blackmailed. The only problem I have is that you said this went on for four years. I can't believe that anybody, even you, if you were really wanting to get out, couldn't find a way out or put a stop to it for four years. I, I couldn't, honestly, believe me. I tried, I sighed. Well, if that's the case, then I'd have to suggest maybe your subconscious was working against you. Which brings me to what's going to happen next. You're going to let me go on and forget this whole crazy scheme of yours. Oh, honey, you know me a lot better than that, she smiled. I struggled again, but only half-heartedly. Claire definitely knew how to restrain someone. I was utterly helpless until I could manage to persuade Beth to let me go. Come on, Beth, please. I'm tired and cranky, and this really isn't helping. Well, I don't suppose you're going to like what's next, then. Next? What's next? You have some time off this summer, and I want us to use it exploring. Exploring what? Where? Stop this now. I'm too tired for riddles. Let me go, and we'll talk about it normally. I snapped. Not what or where, but you exploring you, she said, ignoring my irritation. Look, I don't care if you never cross stars again, but if you really want to marry me, you'll shut up and listen. I know I love you, and I believe you love me, but there are issues in the bedroom between us, and I think this is probably the cause. I don't think, and forgive me, but Claire agrees with me that you probably faced up to your own king shit. I'll admit that I was rather stunned. Not only did my beautiful fiancé think I had some issues in the bedroom, but she had already discussed them with her friend. Together they had concocted this friend to constrain me before Beth felt able to discuss them with me? What issues in the bedroom, I snapped. Maybe issues is too strong a word, but I always feel like you're holding back when we make love. You're timid and shy in bed with me. Frankly, it feels like you're going through the motions, or at least what you think those motions should be. She paused here and looked deep in my eyes, but I couldn't meet her look, dropping mine to the floor. Oh, Kyle, I love you. I'll say that again. I love you. I also say that I believe you love me. She paused again, and I jumped in. I do love you, I earnestly exclaimed. So what's happening then? I'd been hoping that as we got to know each other better, things between us would improve. But I'm not so sure anymore. Then I found out about all your experiences in college, and it seemed to me to shed a bit of light on the problem. I'm not a psychoanalyst, but it seems important, and you obviously didn't want to talk about it. So right or wrong, I discussed it with Claire. She knows all about this stuff. Like how to tie somebody up? But inside, I was tearing myself apart. Her words had been like a dagger to my heart. 
I knew that sex between us hadn't been as great as perhaps it could and probably should have been. I also knew that it probably was down to me. I always found it difficult to really let go and engage with my girlfriends. I'd always attributed it to uncertainty about whether we were really right for each other. But with death, I was absolutely certain, way beyond any doubts. Everything else in our relationship was wonderful. It was patently obvious we really loved each other, so why was I still holding back? Would this actually be enough to break us apart? What do you want from me? I whispered. Three things, she said. First, honesty. I still have a bunch of questions about your past, and although I said it wasn't my business before, I'm not so sure anymore. I want, no, I need your honesty with the answers to those questions. Secondly, trust. I want you to trust me. You have to trust me enough to be honest with me, so the two go together. Finally, obedience. I'm going to ask you to do some things for me, and you'll have to be obedient and just do them. Again, you'll have to trust me enough to do them honestly and to do the best of your ability. And then honestly tell me your feelings about what you've done. You have a summer break coming up, don't you? Let's use it to, to what? Break me? I shot at her. She paused and looked thoughtful. I wouldn't have put it that way, but sometimes you do need to break things to be able to rebuild them better. So if that's the way you want to look at it, now are you ready to be untied? God, yes. I thought you'd never ask. Your friend did a real number on me. Oh, Claire's your friend almost as much as she is mine. Maybe, but I didn't see her tying you up. I really would appreciate being untied. I bet you would. But you've got to answer me first. Do you promise to give me all three things that I asked for? I have to know I have your compliance and full cooperation because the next step is for you to go to the bedroom and get a full makeover. Well, are you going to do as you're told or raise a fuss? Honestly, is all of this really necessary? Yes, it is, she said, looking down on me with her hands on her hips. A picture of beautiful domination. She was not going to tolerate any argument whatsoever. This was a side of Beth I hadn't seen before. It scared me, but it also attracted me. Okay, then. Yes, I agree. Release me and I'll do whatever you want. You better, she said, giving me a hard stare, before untying the rope that Claire had tied around my arms and chest. Next, she grabbed a large kitchen knife and cut off the zip ties. I've spent a couple of hours with Claire learning how to tie someone up. I was pretty sure I'd have a use for that with the makeover. You practice tying me up? I asked incredulously as I finally got out of the chair. You're going to find I've thought of everything. Now march to the bathroom. It's makeover time, she ordered playfully, smacking my behind. I led her playfully to my bedroom, where I could see she already laid some things out for me. I don't know if she had been shopping, as I was about the same size as both her and Claire, but I guess so, as I didn't recognize any of the clothes on the bed. There was an emerald green dress with a high neck and no sleeves. I judged it to be about midi-length, coming above my knees while not being ridiculously short. There was a black bra and panty set next to the dress, a pair of sheer black stockings, and a garter belt as well. On the floor was a pair of strappy black sandals with heels that looked to be about three inches high. She entered right behind me and saw me staring at the outfit. Yep, it's all for you, 
That's a body dress. It's supposed to flatter you regardless of your size. I bet you can't wait to try it on, can you? She studied me closely. Beth, do we really have to do this? I was trembling. We most definitely do. Judging by your reaction, she said. In fact, wait a minute. We're going to do this right. We'll start with you in the bathtub. So quickly now, strip. I entered the bathtub feeling very self-conscious, being naked in front of the woman I loved. While she was fully clothed, this was not a feeling I had ever had before. Her new attitude was my nakedness had left the feeling very exposed and vulnerable. She smiled warmly at me as she entered the bathroom. I looked over and saw the tub was a mass of bubbles and could hear Van Morrison singing warm love on the MP3 player on the sink. Come on, baby, get in, and I'll take care of you. I climbed into the bathtub while she grabbed a large natural sponge. The warm water bubbles and oils were very soothing, and I soon felt myself relaxing. Beth proceeded to thoroughly wash me all over. It was the most sensual thing I had ever experienced in my life. I love you, Beth, I murmured. I know you do, she replied, leaning over and kissing me deeply. Her moist lips felt cold in the warm bathroom. You're everything to me, and I wanted to keep it that way. I closed my eyes and relaxed, totally content, only to open them moments later and feel a razor touch my leg. Beth held a lady's pink razor to my leg. It began a gentle ascent up my leg. I just moaned and held my leg still for her. Thus said, honey, relax. All this hair isn't what makes you a man. You'll look so much better without it. Just lay back and let me do what we both realize has to be done. She was so gentle as she denuded me of my body hair. I almost drifted off to sleep. It was a massive contrast to the feelings I had experienced as an 18-year-old sitting in a lonely bathtub off my dorm. Then I had been forced to shave off the same body hair. This was actually pleasant even if the finished results would be the same hairless humiliation. Finally pronouncing herself done, she stood me up in the tub and inspected her work. I felt even more exposed than before, and I knew that I now had a very floral scent from the bath oils. A few stray bubbles still clung to my smooth skin in places. Beth reached for a bottle of lotion and began to rub it all over me before patting me dry with one of the white fluffy towels that I had acquired when she started spending nights here. You smell great, she beamed, and I think you're even smoother than I am now. Does this bring back any memories? Yes, she looked at me, raised an eyebrow before quickly saying, good or bad. Honestly, I blurted, mainly bad. I was forced to shave my body hair, but I had to do it myself in a cold, lonely dorm bath. It was one of the more humiliating moments of my college experience. This, this was completely different. It actually felt sort of pleasant. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to bring back a bad memory. It wasn't all that bad, was it? I looked at her and knew that I had to be honest. She had asked for it, and I owed her that much. No, not all of it was bad. There was a lot of humiliation. Oh, there will be plenty of that, she giggled. Come on now, let's get you dressed. It didn't take long for me to put on the clothes that she had laid out on the bed. She subtly tested me, 
thing if I'd ask how to put some things on and noticed that I had no problem with anything. She realized that even after a dozen years, I was still very advanced. Not practicing, cross-dresser. Do I pass, I asked, turning around if she unzipped up my dress. You do look pretty good, she acknowledged. Huh? Just pretty good, I replied, indignant. Pretty good for a woman. For a man dressed as a woman, you look unbelievable. I think with a wig and some makeup on you, you'll look absolutely fabulous, she said. Do you want me to do my makeup now, I asked. You'd probably do a better job than me, but this is fun for me, so I want to do it, she said. You don't mind? No, that's fine. Actually, I'm probably pretty rusty. Beth did a really good job with my makeup. She went a little lighter on the foundation than I would have, and the use of concealer was a new addition, but probably necessary now that my face had managed to survive three decades of weather and wear. She took the time to line my lips before applying bright red lipstick and made my eyes pop while still keeping them light and giving me a daytime look. When I finally saw my reflection in the mirror, it was like saying hello to an old friend for the first time in over a decade. I couldn't help exclaiming a surprise, wow, as I studied myself. You like it, don't you? She took in my reaction, er, I wouldn't say that. It's just that I haven't seen myself like this in a long time. Remember, honesty at all times, she reminded me. I looked down, mumbling a contrite sorry. You do look really good. I think I can see why those girls at your college enjoy dressing you this way so much. It's almost a shame we don't have a wig. Oh, but we will, smirked Beth. Claire's bringing some over. What? No, please. I don't want anyone to see me like this. Don't be silly. It's not anybody. It's only Claire. Beth, please. She put her finger to my lips saying, shush. We've had obedience and honesty. Now for the trust. Do you trust me? And that was Welcome to College Reunion, as read by the amazing Shayla Aspasia. Um, part one. This is a fairly long series. It's actually six books, and you know that Shayla is going to do her usual amazing job reading all six parts. But... If you really liked listening to this one, you kind of got two options if you want to hear the whole series in its entirety. You can go to Clips for Sale, and you'll be able to pick up all six of these, and it'll probably cost you $15.99 or $14.99. I'm not sure. They, they kind of set the price. So somewhere between $90 and $95, roughly, for the six books. Or... You can sign up for the premium podcast, pay $15, and get all six in their entirety that you can listen to and that you can download, too. I use Audacity, and you can, you know, record them off Audacity, and then you'll own them. So it's, you know, it's there for a couple reasons. I really think that, you know, for those listeners who maybe they don't want their wives knowing what they're spending money on or their girlfriends it's a it's kind of a great way to be paying and not paying at an adult price at an adult site and for those of you who just want to save some money and, and enjoy the audios there's seven full-length audios there now and this will make number eight and uh, I think there's something to be said for listening to these audios in their entirety 
So I hope you enjoyed this, regardless of what you're listening to. Um, I will be back again next week. I have audios out to our other narrators, so I have no idea whose audio will be playing next week. Um, regardless, I am really hoping to get Shayla on um, the podcast to just do an interview and catch up with her. So, anyway, I'll be back next week. I hope you will be too. Take care. <laughs>